Hello, welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter Audiocast. I am your host, Dr. M. This is volume 13, issue number 42, corresponding to the week of October the 2nd, 2023. This week, we're going to talk about Elon Musk and Ayn Rand. We're going to do a little mini literature review and then the rest of the week. Song of the week is Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce, a good old one. Okay, section one, Musk and Rand. The new book, Elon Musk, by Walter Isaacson, is worthy of your time. He is an amazing writer, and the context of the content are so timely for the happenings of today. The story of Elon Musk remains one to be completely written, but it is being partially displayed in this new book that I am in the early stages of reading. The truth of the matter remains that Elon suffered some significant traumas as a child that have vexed him throughout his life. However, the triumph of his story... That is an amazing lesson for all of us is that the traumas do not define your trajectory nor your final outcome. Elon has proven what many others have before him, that in this country, you are the architect of your destiny. You are not defined by your past in any way. You are never a victim unless you choose that path. You can always choose to rise above trauma and pain to be your best self. This is not to say that trauma does not weigh on you and your psyche. To the contrary... As Elon clearly demonstrates, the past is in all of us. It will rise up at times to haunt us. Therein lies your work to witness, work through, and rise above. We are not all as smart as Elon. That's obvious. But we can all choose to be as smart and work as hard as we can with our God-given talents. What will you choose? How will you raise your children? Being the victim does not serve, ever. Some simple truths that espoused by Elon in the book by Walter Isaacson. One, first principles. I truly love this reality. And in 100%, I believe that this is what we should be talking about in medicine and in health. Quote, boil things down to the most fundamental truths and say, okay, what are we sure is true or as sure as possible is true? And then reason up from there. End quote. For me, this is like going back upstream to the roots of human disease. That's a first principles mentality for me. The reductionist way I learned medicine in Emory and UVA was to treat the problem where it's ended, the symptoms. That's not good enough anymore. Another thing he talks about is end-to-end control of a product or a program's outcome. That's an absolute must for me. I want to know the whole team affecting a child's outcome. I want people to that are committed to the child first, not to themselves. Loyalty to a child first mentality is paramount to a child's success. I would not want someone on our team at Salisbury Pediatrics or Children's Health that does not believe this because to please self first will get in the way of the child's best outcome. He believes in a rigorous attention to detail. Every member of a team needs to be attentive to every detail. A child's life is worth that much in my mind. Alongside the must book, I will add the fountainhead critique that I randomly wrote a few weeks ago as Walter Isaacson speaks to this reality in the podcast with Lex Fridman when he talks about the stifling of innovation by critics, lawyers, and regulators. The Fountainhead, which was written by Ayn Rand back in the 50s, remains a favorite book for me. The world around us seems so polarized and dysfunctional in media speak and in the halls of power. Most people that I meet are kind, 
caring, and thoughtful with a distaste for the polarity and division. The average person that I speak to cares for each other and especially their family. They do not want what appears to be happening around us from a top-down view, regardless of race, color, or creed. They do not see division where it is being sown on TV, social media, and in print. It is dysfunctional to me that the news media on TV is primarily sponsored, paid for primarily, by pharmaceutical companies. One company, AbbVie, A-B-B-V-I-E, spent $500 million and had all the TV ads to promote Humira, according to Fierce Pharma. What are they buying with this money? How are they altering the news media landscape? Are we still getting news without spin? I doubt it. There's an article in the newsletter with Forbes that I encourage you to read to go a little deeper. Then there's one in Scientific American that is truly Faustian. All in all, Ayn Rand's fears, to me, seem to be coming to life. She was onto something all those years ago. She understood the values and virtues needed for a just and functioning society not driven by the non-doers. And by non-doers, I mean the critics, the quote-unquote thinkers, the quote-unquote intelligentsia. They are thinking, they are making ideas up, but are they truly doing anything? Are they truly bringing anything to the table, producing? That's what Ayn Rand was always worried about. These folks hijacking the doers. There's more to be looked at here. For me, the key word here is virtue. Some of the principles she espouses, one, individualism. She discusses the idea of individualism and the importance of staying true to one's own values and principles. This is not the same as selfishness. It is far from that in truth. It is not to be swayed by the tribalism of today, i.e. woke culture ideology, polarized hate of the opposite, groupthink, etc., in a world where conformity and groupthink can be prevalent, the book encourages individuals to think independently and stand up for their ideas. This is so important in medicine where groupthink is all too common, i.e. what happened during COVID. And now we're seeing this complete protocolization of medicine. This is not the way doctors were ever truly taught to think in the old days. It's a new way. You follow what some hallowed hall guy says is the only way it is, and that's what it is doesn't make a lot of sense. As Rick Rubin was talking to Peter, excuse me, um, to Huberman in a recent podcast, he was talking about we need to decentralize medicine because the centralization of medicine has started lots of problems, including, including in this case, protocolization. Medicine should never head in the direction of groupthink. This is a truth to teach all of our children and anyone heading down this path. Think, don't blindly follow, while you learn from others. Hold your beliefs tightly until you find something better, and then move. Second principle she discusses, the creativity and innovation. She celebrates the creative process and the pursuit of innovation. It emphasizes the importance of originality and the value of new ideas in various fields, including architecture and art. Think of Dr. Jenner today, trying the first vaccine. Would have been called a quack, would have been laughed out of the room. We should celebrate the ingenuity and not the average. Three, objectivism. This is a central theme in the novel. She advocates rational self-interest, individual rights, and laissez-faire capitalism. These ideas can be relevant in discussions about ethics, politics, and economics, even in the contemporary times. We need to push for individual rights. 
The Bill of Rights and the framing of the Constitution are studying these ideals. Self-interest is not the same as selfishness. It is the right to express the self and pursue life, liberty, and happiness. It is the American dream, full stop. Number four, anti-collectivism. The novel critiques collectivism and the dangers of sacrificing individual rights and freedoms for the greater good. It serves as a reminder to be wary of excessive government control and the erosion of personal liberties. The entire COVID experience in medicine shook the foundations of normalcy in America through groupthink, media tale-telling, and fear-mongering. I do not want to be compelled to follow bad science for the greater good. The postmortem of COVID-19 decisions is a sad tale of poor study and worse decision-making. I'm still waiting for the CDC to discuss how nutrition plays a central role in disease risk and COVID outcome as it remains the primary driver of the four horsemen of COVID death, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and obesity. Yet, we are still hearing the solid drumbeat for vaccines masking and avoidance. Can't agree with her more about the collectivism side of that piece. Five, the relevance in professional life. Her book offers insights into the challenges faced by creative professionals who refuse to compromise their vision and principles. It encourages professionals to persevere in their pursuits, even when faced with opposition. This is again so true today, where speaking out against the mainstream is a cancelable offense. This is not the way a just and debate-friendly society operates. Overall, though, this book is a worthy read for all who seek to understand some of the struggles of today. I especially highlight the character Ellsworth Tuohy, who is a prominent antagonist in the novel, an influential architecture critic, and a manipulative intellectual. Tuohy is skilled at using his charm and wit to gain influence over others to promote his collectivist, socialist ideology, or what he thinks is right and nothing else is okay. He bashes Howard Wark, who is a brilliant and creative in the architecture world. Tui represents the epitome of collectivism and seeks to destroy individuality and independent thinking, making him a danger to an honorable and free society. The context of the American dream is seek, work, liberty, and growth. It is what makes this country so special. This is my opinion clearly and always debatable. That's the beauty of a free and just society. These are just my two cents. Section 2. Back to Science. Literature mini-review. 1. COVID vaccination increases flare risk in persons with elevated baseline uric acid levels, elevated BMI at baseline, and have infrequent gout flares. What this data shows are the abnormal baseline metabolic issues will be aggravated by COVID-19 vaccination. The rub here is that it is the exact population that is at risk for bad outcome from natural disease, making avoidance of the vaccine a bad idea. Ultimately, this is an example of a place to start working on self to lower your uric acid levels and BMI by avoiding refined sugar and fructose in all of its forms. Number two, oral health matters in pregnancy according to many studies lately. From the Journal of International Environmental Research and Public Health, we see the following. Quote, the aim of the study was to analyze the association between maternal oral knowledge and the level of oral health during pregnancy with the risk of obstetric complications and breastfeeding. Older pregnant women, 33 years of age or more, practiced breastfeeding and had a higher number of correct answers to the questionnaire. Adequate simplified oral hygiene index knowledge, is what they called it, was associated with higher birth weight newborns, whereas poor oral hygiene control was associated with lower birth weight newborns. A lower level of academic education was associated with worse oral hygiene. Finally, among non-smoking women, 
the weight of infants was 437 milligrams higher. Maternal oral hygiene in the week of delivery were associated with newborn weight in the multiple linear regression model. Smoking was also related to low birth weight. Educational interventions in pregnancy are necessary to decrease the incidence of obstetric adverse events and improve the oral health of mothers and their children, end quote. That comes to us from Serrano Sanchez et al. in the journal International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. So for me, this data set follows along with a fructose story that we have recently discussed. The consumption of processed foods is highly associated with poor oral hygiene and perinatal complications, including preeclampsia and prematurity. Working on your oral health has massive downstream benefits for you and your infant. Number three, from the journal Neuroscience, we see the following, quote, the need to breathe links the mammalian olfactory system inextricably to the respiratory rhythms that draw air through the nose. In rodents and other small animals, slow oscillations of low field potential activity are driven at the rate of breathing, roughly 2 to 12 hertz. In olfactory bulb and cortex, and faster oscillatory bursts are coupled to specific phases of the respiratory cycle. These dynamic rhythms are thought to regulate cortical excitability and coordinate network interactions, helping to shape olfactory coding, memory, and behavior. However, while respiratory oscillations are a ubiquitous hallmark of olfactory system function in animals, direct evidence of such patterns is lacking in humans. In the study, we acquired intracranial EEG data from rare patients with medically refractory epilepsy, enabling us to test the hypothesis that a cortical oscillatory activity would be entrained to the human respiratory cycle, albeit a much slower rhythm of 0.16 to 0.33 hertz. Our results reveal that natural breathing synchronizes electrical activity in the human piriform olfactory cortex, as well as in the limbic-related areas, including amygdala and hippocampus. Notably, oscillatory power peaked during the inspiration and dissipated when breathing was diverted from nose to mouth. Parallel behavioral experiments showed that breathing phase enhances fear discrimination and memory retrieval. Our findings provide a unique framework for understanding the pivotal role of nasal breathing in coordinating neuronal oscillations to support stimulus processing and behavior, end quote. Zelano C. et al. 2016. For me, what I'm gleaning from this complicated piece is that mouth breathing continues to be a problem in all studies. Working toward the ability for a child to mostly breathe through their nose is key. This means that we must focus on resolving allergies, food intolerances, anatomic problems like large tonsils and adenoids and more. Okay, and finally, the recipe of the week is the morning smoothie by my wife, Nicole Magrida. It's on the website uh, in section three. All right, y'all, that's it for today. My last thing is the free thoughts. I cannot fathom what it would take to abandon a dog in a field. I cannot imagine what it takes to take drugs while pregnant. I cannot imagine things that I witness in life. But, alas, I am not in these individual shoes. I am just glad that we get to have the opportunity to help Charlie feel safe and loved. Our new little mutt that we have acquired is a sweetheart. All right, folks, hug those kids.
The information provided in this newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue and does not constitute the provider-patient relationship formation. Thanks.